welcome to the Geek in Review, the podcast focused on innovative and creative ideas in the legal profession. I'm Greg Lambert, and I am flying solo for a little bit. I'm hoping Marlene can jump on uh, while we're doing the interview. If not, uh, everyone is just stuck with me today. I want to start this off by warning the audience that we're probably going to get pretty geeky on this week's show as we dive into some examples of what generative AI can do uh, with specific legal tasks with the guests that we have this week. So we're really, really excited to have the uh, co-founders of Paxton AI, uh, Tangi Chow, CEO, and CTO, Michael Yulin. Glad you guys can both join us, and and hopefully we can all geek out here. So, uh, Tangi and Mike, welcome to the Geek and Review. Thanks for having us, Greg. Really uh, excited to be here and a a big fan of the show. Thanks. Thanks. Absolutely, Greg. It's uh, such an honor. Thank you. Great having you here. So, uh, Tangi, let's uh, start this off because not everyone may have heard of Paxton uh, yet. Do you mind giving the audience a little bit of your background and the history of Paxton and why you and, and Mike uh, decided to launch this, this new venture? Yeah, absolutely. Well, Greg, like every good company, the, the story of Paxton starts with the relationship between Mike and I as, as friends and as founders. Mike and I are AI engineers. We are enterprise experts. I did my master, my PhD, my MBA, all from MIT. Uh, Mike and I met a decade ago. Uh, We worked together while at McKinsey & Company. This is the largest management consulting firm. And we were strategic advisors to a lot of Fortune 500 companies. But really what sets us apart as legal tech founders is that both Mike and I have a deep understanding of legal and regulatory affairs. I spent almost a decade as an investment advisor in the venture capital industry, uh, eventually serving as a chief compliance officer for an SEC and FINRA regulated firm. So it's really through this personal experience and our shared desire to help regulatory and legal professionals make sense of millions of laws, rules and regulations that Paxton was born. And Mike, a little bit about you. Yeah. No, thanks for having us on. Yeah, as Tongi alluded to, uh, we got a we, we met and became friends uh, while doing a stint at, at McKinsey and Company. And then after that, I, I made my way into the world of legal tech, uh, working in data science for a company called RPX, which was involved in serving uh, the general counsel's office of large tech firms uh, on intellectual property matters. So worked there developing natural language processing algorithms, working with patent data. Uh, and then I was part of the founding team along with a few other uh, ex-McKinsey colleagues of a company called Zesty AI, where I was the founding AI engineer and and head of AI for Zesty, where we focused on building enterprise AI models for the U.S. uh, property insurance industry. So we were actually uh, the first AI model uh, approved by the California Department of Insurance for use in underwriting and pricing of, of property insurance in that state. So worked very closely with regulators there uh, and then worked closely with regulators in, in 10 other states to get our AI models approved. Uh, so bring a deep experience in, in AI to this space. And uh, we're, we're really excited uh, about the possibilities of applying generative AI in uh, the legal context. Um, let's say we're riding up the elevator together, so I'll, I'll let uh, one of you pick who wants to, to give the, the speech here. But if you were going to introduce me to Paxton and, and what it does, uh, you know, 
what what's the what's the elevator speech that you give? Yeah, I um, I'll volunteer for that. And okay. uh, you know, Paxton is really a generative AI assistant that is built for legal and regulatory compliance professionals. That's really what it does. And unlike other assistant, it is really trained and built from the ground up. We have painfully collected millions and millions of regulation, rules, statutes, and use this material to train a very accurate legal AI assistant. And Mike, I wanted to cover some, you know, because usually when people create something like this, there's some problem that, that you're set out to to solve. And so can you, and, and I know that a lot of what you're, what you're doing and, and you've elaborated on in, in the media is about the biggest pain points and inefficiencies that you see in the legal sector. And so can you elaborate on, on some of those pain points that uh, you're trying to solve there at Paxton? Uh, absolutely, Greg. Uh, a lot of this is, is kind of born out of uh, our experience in the uh, legal and, and regulatory uh, space. So Paxton is, is really designed to take a lot of the pain points away uh, with regards to legal and, and regulatory uh, research. So having done a lot of regulatory work in the uh, insurance sector, you know, insurance is, is uh, one of those areas that uh, is not regulated at the federal level. It's actually regulated at each of the individual 50 state levels. So if you're a, a national player, uh, like some of the, the companies I worked with uh, at uh, my prior company, we worked with companies like Berkshire Hathaway, uh, Farmers, AAA. You have to figure out the different regulatory regimes of each one of those those 50 states. Um, and then talking to legal professionals, this can be a pretty daunting, tedious, and, and very uh, labor-intensive task. So, you know, what we've done with, with Paxton is we have all of uh, the laws, uh, rules, and regulations from not only the federal level, but also each of the 50 states. So, uh, one one particular use case that's been gaining a lot of traction with our clients in financial services or the insurance industry uh, is conducting 50-state surveys um, in a matter of, of minutes. Uh, so you can simply ask Paxton for what the regulatory regime is on a particular topic in each of the states and get a response back that you can then use as a as a starting point for your your research rather than you know spending a lot of money uh, doing this or or you know, we've heard that these things can take uh, uh, months to complete. Yeah, I can verify that. It, it takes a long, <laughs> long time to pull those together. And and so now I think a lot of uh, partners are going to have to figure out uh, new projects to give summer associates because that's a big task that a lot of summer associates get is, you know, take this issue and give me a 50-state survey. Now, a smart associate would then do it in the 10 minutes that it would take and then uh, wait around for a couple of days and then, and then uh, hand it in to them so it didn't seem like uh, it, <laughs> it only took 10 minutes. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and we want to we empower smart associates here at Baxter. There we go. <laughs> so, uh, Tangi, uh, you recently wrote an article that was in Forbes – uh, and it was uh, called Unlocking the 10X Lawyer, How Generative AI Can Transform uh, the Legal Landscape. And in the article, 
you discuss how generative AI can help lawyers become more efficient by automating low-value tasks. So I, I, I think most of us probably have some examples, but I want to I want to see if you can provide you know some examples of low-value uh, legal work that you specifically think can be automated with with AI. And uh, you know how much time do you estimate that this could actually save? A lawyer say even on a weekly basis yeah absolutely greg let, let me start by defining what we mean by the 10x lawyers and what we mean here is that with the proper tool with the proper support a lawyer can be 10 times as efficient as a lawyer that doesn't have uh, access to tools like paxton and so in this piece right we we analyze a survey that wilson sensini one of the largest law firm in the world did. And that survey explains that 67% of in-house lawyers feel buried in low-value, highly repetitive work. And let's give some examples here, right? Uh, you look at an M&A process and a lawyer might, a law firm might need to look at the sales contracts of thousands and thousands of vendors and go th through the language of, of all of these sales contracts. And it's very repetitive. Um, they have to look clause by clause over all of these documents and identify variations in the language that it's being used. It takes hundreds of hours to review each of these contracts. This is a perfect use case for an AI agent such as Paxton. Uh, a second example uh, would be when we talked about 50 state surveys and looking and reading vast knowledge databases or vast amount of information. Uh, it requires reading through thousands of pages uh, just to identify and find the critically important information that is relevant to the case. Uh, Paxton, for example, is able to read through 30 million pages of legislature. It has perfect memory, perfect recollection, and an accurate retrieval of the most mundane but critically important information. And so what we think is, you know, this is what Paxton is outstanding for, handling very mundane, very boring, repetitive work, mm -hmm. and to free attorneys to focus on the high-value work, the highly engaging, the client-facing work that all attorneys and all lawyers love to do. So uh, I want to ask you because we had uh, a guest on a couple of weeks ago, and and Marlene has joined us as well. Hi, Marlene. Hi, Marlene. Hey, Marlene. Uh, uh, Tangi, I did want to uh, uh, follow up on that. Uh, we had a guest on, uh, I believe it was last week, that talked about how you can structure the generative AI, even when it's trained on you know legal specific. Uh, things that, uh, because of the, uh, because of its ability to be creative, it could take liberties with the uh, with quotes on it, change things around, and so uh, he talked about uh, some ways that they did the uh, multi-token, basically where material that is like quoted stays the same, so that you don't get the uh, any type of hallucination. They'd like link words, so it wouldn't be just like separate words. They'd link it so that um, things wouldn't get separated, and it would there less of a chance for hallucination. I yeah, think that's and, how it worked. And, yeah, and especially in legal, where you want to be, 
you know, very specific and precise when you're quoting legal materials. So how are you looking at, you know, if I'm going to cite something that I am assured that the answer that I'm given matches what's in the documents? Is that, do you link to the documents or do you have something else going on in the back end to kind of make sure that you're getting very good answers? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think this is a this is a very important problem that we spend a lot of time thinking about. How do you actually do this accurately? There are many different ways that uh, one can approach this problem, both from a technical approach, uh, different techniques, uh, machine learning techniques that one can can use. What we have focused on and what has resonated with our users is very accurate sourcing. You know, the use of AI really, it's really important that the user trusts the answer. And there is a saying that says, trust, but verify. And this is what Paxton is really good at. Every sentence, every word, every paragraph has a footnote that you can verify where the information is coming from, directly the source text, the source regulation, and it takes you to the source of the information. So this is our approach. Our approach is the ability to very quickly verify that the answer is, is given. Because eventually, you know, it is still on the user's responsibility to check and make sure that the information that the tool provides is accurate when they file a motion, for example. And is it a footnote or is it like a, a reference in, in the text? It's an actual citation in the text and, and you know, folks are free to, you know, check it out for themselves at, at, at Paxton.ai. You know, we're offering free, free beta access uh, right now, but you can actually, when you get a response, uh, every response comes with a footnote, as Tongi was saying, and that is a link direct back to the primary source material. So you can link to the, the regulation or the statute or the rule or materials that you upload yourself uh, to, to Paxton uh, so you can verify what, what the system is saying is accurate. And yeah. it'll go back to that specific area um, for reference? Okay. Yeah, it won't, uh, it won't just uh, you know, link you to the entire... Give me uh, a section uh, of, the ta- of the tax code. <laughs> <laughs> yep, just, just an entire <laughs> chapter. Yep, there you go. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> There's my weekend. <laughs> yeah, I've actually played around with it. It's uh, it's, it's really cool. And and thank you guys for letting it during this phase of, of you guys launching, letting everyone take a look at it for free because uh, not not everybody's doing that. <laughs> yeah, no, we're we're a very uh, a feedback uh, driven culture here at, at Paxton, and and you know we'd love for and then, and thank you for for testing out the uh, the tool. Uh, we'd we'd love for your audience to take a look and and let us know what you think. We're we're always on the hunt for uh, ways to improve it. How specifically are you designing Paxton's use of artificial intelligence to augment the capabilities of lawyers? What is unique in the way that you're leveraging AI now that you may not have that may not have been possible uh, just a year or two ago? Sure. Uh, yeah, happy to happy to take this one. I've been uh, in the field of AI for you know my whole my almost my whole career um, over over a decade now, and we really designed Paxton with with the 
needs and, and workflows of, of an attorney in mind, and really taking advantage of the new capabilities that, that generative AI, AI offers today. And if folks want to get a sense of, of how that's how that's different, I'm, you can really see it for yourself. Just take a look at what's available, you know, when you do autocomplete on uh, on your phone or, or autocomplete on, on Gmail. You know, you would just get uh, a phrase or a couple words as a suggested uh, uh, next thing to say. Um, and that was kind of, uh, the state of the art for a while, Yeah. but, but, uh, you know, today, and, and you can experience this with yourself, uh, for yourself on, on, on Paxton, uh, we can now generate, you know, entire documents, uh, uh, based on really accurate source materials. You know, we have models at Paxton that can take into account, like the, the context of about a book, uh, worth of material at a time. Uh, versus, you know, what we were dealing with, you know, just a few years ago where it was like, what's, what's the next word that I want to, uh, text someone. So I think that is kind of the, the change in, in how AI has, uh, you know, what AI systems are available today. That's really enabled, uh, these types of use cases. So you guys have a really good presence on medium, and I think you're doing a, a really good job of kind of reaching out beyond the, you know, the Twitter, LinkedIn, um, although you guys do a great job on, on those as well. But uh, on Medium, you write some very specific and interesting ways about how to use uh, Paxton AI. And so I, we want to go over just a, a few examples of, of some of those articles that uh, that we've read through. And Tangi, I'm going to start with you. There was a, an article on Paxton's drafting capabilities and in the article, it mentioned generating documents from templates. Can you expand more on how lawyers can, you know, customize those templates? And, and uh, do they have some flexibility to develop templates uh, tuned to their own specific needs? Yes, absolutely. I think let's remember, right, Paxson really is an intelligence layer that sits atop an different knowledge databases. And, and so you can really ask Paxton to perform different tasks, to adjust and to adapt. You can use the curated database that uh, we collect and we maintain and we monitor, um, such as you know the um, federal and state statutes, rules, regulations, and, and more to come, you know, obviously. But you can also ask Paxton's intelligence and apply it to your own knowledge databases. And you do that by simply connecting it either to your document management system or uploading your own set of documents or cases or your own templates and the language that you want Paxton to use. And so you can then ask Paxton to read and Paxton will adopt your template and respond in the style and then draft following, you know, draft motion, drafts, legal memos, following your custom firm templates. And so this is really how we've made Paxton easy to find for our users to fine tune to their specific knowledge as well as their specific templates. And just to follow up on that one, because um, I, can, I can hear my, uh, my IT security guy screaming right now. Um, <laughs> uh, so how do you work with, uh, with, with firms, with lawyers, uh, with your users 
on making sure that that, that information is, uh, is secure and that it, someone else won't be able to get access to that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we, we have a, you know, very deep background in, in serving large enterprises. So, so both Tongi and I served very security, uh, conscious, uh, fortune 500 companies in our, in our prior life, uh, uh, at McKinsey. And, you know, when we were developing, uh, AI models for the insurance industry, uh, you can imagine those, those companies also had very, uh, strict security requirements as well. Uh, so we really took that experience and, and, you know, that knowledge of what, what organizations care about. And, uh, that's, that's built into the design of, of Paxton. Um, so, uh, we, we meet all the requirements for, for SOC 2, you know, we, we work with security teams at, at law firms all, all the time to, to understand their individual requirements and, and really uh, tailor Paxton's security settings and, and data retention policies to meet the needs of the firms that, that we're working with. So as law librarians, uh, the article on Paxton's Boolean search composer caught our eye. And, yeah. you know, I, I think there, there, there are still librarians out there that say, you know, Boolean is, is, the best, is the best way to search and that like natural language is kind of the, the death of the ability to, to get really down and granular in, in your search. And while, you know, expert searchers are, are very good at this sort of thing, um, you know, sometimes more casual searchers uh, are not. So, you know, what are some of the examples of, of complex legal research questions that uh, the search composer can simplify that, you know, lawyers and, and maybe more casual users struggle with? Um, you know, how does the explanation help lawyers learn in the process? Yes, this one is a, is a very, very popular feature within the, the Paxton platform. Um, and, it, and it's a feature that was requested by our community. I think I think it speaks to how Mike and I are thinking about building a very user and consumer centric company first. So for the audience, we built a a Boolean composer, and what we heard is a lot of our users didn't enjoy or didn't like writing Boolean queries. Um, you know, they're complicated, they're unintuitive. What? <laughs> <laughs> shocking. Uh, <laughs> shocking, right? Yeah, this, uh, this nat- natural language thing is just a fad, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? But, but Marlene, I mean, I mean, it's so true, right? We were forcing users to adopt the language that machines use, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's not like you and I, like, speak using Boolean, right? We speak using natural language. <laughs> and so uh, instead, we thought that instead of asking users to adopt the language of machines, we reverse this process. And we, you know, we, we had Paxton learn the language of users instead. Instead of coming up with complex Boolean expressions, our users have the ability to very simply explain in plain English what do they want from Paxton? And it might be retrieving all of the cases uh, for over the last 10 years for a particular issue. And if and when needed, Paxton can transform these requests into clear Boolean expressions uh, that the users can then use in tools like LexisNexis and, and, and Westlaw. And then Paxton will also explain how this expression was built 
stage by stage what each of the boolean queries is used for and so it makes it very easy for user to draft a, a boolean query but also adjust it adapt it and takes a lot of the mystery out of boolean searches definitely definitely welcome yeah yeah <laughs> Well, and and one of the things, uh, and I know we do it here in my firm, and I'm sure other firms do the exact same thing, is like if somebody's searching on Westlaw and they're having problems, uh, we suggest that they call one of the research uh, attorneys at Westlaw that helps them basically create a search structure for that. So. I don't want to run the people out of uh, out of a job up in uh, Egan, Minnesota, but uh, you know sometimes you you don't necessarily want to talk to somebody. You want to, you get something that you just want to figure out on your own. And I like the fact that you're not just giving giving an answer, but you're actually explaining how you're you're getting to that uh, result. Mm-hmm. Maybe that will teach some of the the attorneys how how Boolean works. So <laughs> absolutely. Um, yeah, you know, we're, we're just a very, I mean, this, this, as, as Tongi mentioned, this was just a, a suggestion from one of our users, uh, that we then took and adapted to the platform just to make the lives of attorneys, uh, just a little bit easier. So we're, we're glad folks that are, folks are getting use out of it. And the transparency builds trust. So that's yep. good. So, so Mike, the, there was another piece, uh, that featured, uh, document compare, and it talks about what you know. What's the logic behind the the document difference uh, in highlighting? Um, you know, so does it just look at the wording uh, of the document itself, or is there some kind of more semantic analysis going on that's identifying the you know the substantive differences uh, in in the documents when you're comparing them? Uh, yeah, this feature of Paxton is really meant to go beyond just like the the red lining or, or track changes that, that folks might be uh, used to. It's, it's not limited to, to just keywords or, or, you know, sequences of words in the document. It actually looks at the meaning and uh, intent of, of the text in the document. So uh, you can use it to say, uh, compare two NDAs. Uh, you know, maybe you have a template NDA that's been approved and, and one from a vendor uh, that you want to understand. You know what their their similarities and differences are, and and Paxton can really quickly in just a matter of seconds highlight what the substantive differences between those two documents are, and it doesn't matter if those clauses are are in a different order, or if if you use slightly different uh, language to describe something. Uh, Paxton's able to just tell you, you know, this particular clause covering this particular issue is present in in one document, but not in another. Uh, and that really can save folks a lot of time in, in what used to be a, a pretty tedious uh, uh, exercise. You know, other other clients are, are using it for, say, uh, uh, marketing collateral review. So if you have a set of requirements or or a regulation that that covers your marketing material, you can just plug that into the document compare tool and see if the document you're evaluating, like a web page or a piece of print collateral, complies with the requirements that you want to evaluate. And it it just saves a lot of time versus versus what uh, folks were used to doing before. Okay. So you seem to have a little fun with the topics you use for your articles by looking at real world examples of. Uh, how Paxton can be used on 
things like the congressional UFO hearings or <laughs> the ability to quickly go through most of the recent indictment of former President Trump. How is that marketing working? I mean, are you getting a lot of response from that? Yeah, yeah, we, we you know, we, we, we like to have a bit of fun. And, and you know, I, I think demonstrating a lot of these these capabilities on on topics that are well topical and in the public consciousness helps really bring home the value, e- even though folks will probably not use this to, to analyze a, a UFO hearing. They'll probably use it to... <laughs> you never to, know. <laughs> <laughs> a, lot of, uh, a lot of UFO attorneys in your, your audience, uh, Greg and Merlin. We're yeah. going to find out. <laughs> it's definitely a growth industry, so we'll, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Uh, well, speak, speaking of the uh, the uh, congressional UFO hearings, um, in your article on that, uh, you, you, the analysis mentions being able to instantly process a lengthy transcript. What's the key to uh, Paxton's natural language processing that enables such a quick turnaround time on that? And how do you train the AI model to, to handle that large amount of text? Yeah, and and you know we we wanted to pick this more fun example, but you know what what we've heard from from users is uh, you know there's a real pain point about working with video content, whether it's uh, an agency hearing, a congressional hearing at at the federal or, or state level, or you know uh, depositions or or other types of long form content that you know you may be pressed for time and you have to really get the key takeaways from it rather quickly. And what really enables this is, is Paxton's ability, uh, like, like we discussed earlier, Paxton's ability to understand a, a large amount of information at one time. Um, you know, in, in uh, the generative AI space, this is what's known as the, the, the context window. So the, the amount of information that Paxton is going to consider uh, before providing you a, an answer. And as opposed to some of our competitors, Paxton is able to uh, take in uh, a lot more information at once, and we really see uh, the returns on that uh, in terms of the quality of our our answers and in terms of the quality of the responses Paxton generates. So Paxton's trained on on legal data, and it really becomes a very flexible tool. And so it doesn't matter if we're applying it to UFO hearings or or something a bit more serious. Uh, we can we can use this tool in in a wide variety of areas. When Paxton does analysis on these large documents or transcripts, what specifically does the summarization capacity focus on extracting? I mean, are you using, you know, semantic? Are you using, are you, it's the amount of information submitted generally? Is it the amount of, of references um, of, of a particular thing? So, you know, does it identify or does it specifically, you know, identify people, charges, key evidence, quotes? How does it work? Tell us your secrets. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think this is um, this is what's really special about uh, about uh, this generation of, of of AI tools, right? Uh, the flexibility that it has. So, for example, if um, talking about the the documents of the Trump indictment, you can use Paxton to summarize the indictment generally. You can ask Paxton to identify which people were charged 
what are what were they charged with? Uh, what are the key evidence? Uh, what are some of the specific quotes? And I, I think this is something that wouldn't have been possible a few years ago with prior generations of AI systems. But really, generative AI has an understanding of the intent behind the queries and an intent of the, the source documents. And that's what makes this so powerful, especially in, in the legal field, is that it's no longer searching for words, it's no longer searching for for numbers or pattern, it really is searching for what is the intent of the user. And this is, um, this is something that users have tremendous flexibility in, in how it's being used. We kind of have danced around this a, a little bit, uh, but a kind of a common phrase it's uh, or saying that's that's being said, and that is uh, that the generative AI tools like this aren't going to replace lawyers specifically, but it's going to give a, a significant advantage to lawyers who leverage the AI tools against those who don't. And so as we probably see this happening more and more as, as AI tasks take on more of some of the base work that uh, that lawyers do how do you see the the day-to-day work of a lawyer changing and do you do you have any suggestions or thoughts on uh, some of the skill sets that the AI uh, enhanced lawyer is going going to need as far as a skill set or even a, a specialization sure this is just another another tool and I, I think that's what really makes us makes us human is, is the ability to leverage and use tools uh, that can actually make us more efficient and, and enhance our work. Just think about the switch from looking up materials in a, in a book or a library versus uh, now you, you, know, you have Westlaw and LexisNexis. You can think about this as, as kind of a, a new iteration or, or wave of that. I think really partnering with these tools and learning how to utilize them will be will be critically important for attorneys in the future. But, you know, those things uh, that are really, you know, kind of uniquely human, higher level strategic thinking, thinking about how different pieces of a problem fit together and really interacting and and guiding clients um, will be really, I mean, they're important skills today. And I I think those are going to be, you know, even more important in the future. But uh, hopefully, uh, you don't have to, you know, bang your head against the wall writing writing a lot uh, a lot of boolean queries uh, going forward. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of attorneys in the future, uh, yeah. Mike and and Tange, we ask all of our guests our crystal ball question. So please take a peek in the future for us and let us know what you see as a change or challenge in the legal industry over the next two to five years. Happy to go first. Um, you know, I think it's notoriously hard to pre- predict the future, but uh, I'll give it a shot. You know, one of the professions that has really readily uh, adopted the use of, of generative AI, I think a lot more quickly than uh, a lot of the others has been uh, software engineering or, or software development. Um, and I think if you want to understand a bit of what the future is going to look like, we can see how this profession has adapted to to generative AI. And, you know, I think there was a, a study out of Microsoft uh, around, uh, you know, software engineers, software developers that, 
utilize generative AI tools are, are up to 60% more productive than their, their peers that do not. And, you know, just thinking about the way I code when I still have time to code and, you know, our team at Paxton, when they're coding, uh, utilizing these tools, it, it's really dramatically changed uh, their workflow from, from a year ago. Uh, and they're a lot more efficient, a lot more productive. And I think we'll, we'll see a lot of this in the legal profession. You'll, you'll have an assistant like Paxton uh, that, that will make you more effective, more productive, and, and allow you to get back to, you know, give you more time in your day back and, and allow you to focus that on higher value add uh, sorts of things. And I think you'll see these these AI assistants proliferate, not just in legal, but but in other professions like medical as well. Yeah. And Tangi? You, you know, I think to look 10, 20 years into the future, I, uh, I, I, I start by drawing inspiration and looking into what happened in the past. And so I, I have a, uh, there's a there's a fun analogy uh, that I think we can learn a lot from. Uh, and so in in the 70s, um, I don't know if, if if you've seen that that study, but Scientific American did a did a study on locomotion across species. And so they calculated the amount of energy that was required to travel a, a given distance. And so, you know, the study concluded that the condor was the most efficient animal you know, and expense the least amount of energy to go from point A to point B. And, you know, on the other hand, uh, humans spend a lot of energy uh, to perform the same task. And we're kind of in, in the bottom half of, of efficiency. But what was really interesting about the study is that it also measured the efficiency of a human on a bicycle. And surprisingly, when, uh, when a human is aided by a machine, they expended the least amount of energy to perform the same task and was even more efficient than than the condors. And so I think this, this is a really good analogy of what's going to happen in, in the next 10, 20 years. There are a lot of tasks that we perform today where we're really not very efficient. Um, and AI assistants such as Paxton's, I see them as the bicycles of tomorrow. You know, you, you combine a human with a machine and we invented the most efficient way to perform a task while minimizing the energy spent. And, and that's the true power of innovation. And whoever adopts AI tools like Paxton first will do the same work faster, better, and more efficiently. Mike, I wanted to make a, a quick comment on, on your uh, analysis with the software engineering field in law. Um, and, and this is just a, a personal anecdote. Uh, and that is, uh, so I've been using the generative AI tools out there to help me kind of relearn some programming. And so it's been, you know, I, I would say measure it in that it makes me much more efficient because it can give me a great place to start. Say I'm doing a Python script, um, so it can give me some, something to start with. And I get to a good result much faster. But I will also say that on the flip side is then that motivates me to now take on additional projects <laughs> that, that I would have never have done before. So I just wonder, do you see that in the future for lawyers is that, um, yeah, it may may only take me now 10 minutes to get to you know something that usually took me 
two hours to do before. And you see the same analogy with, with say, well, now I can take on, you know, these other things that, that I didn't, you know, wouldn't have taken on before uh, as well. Is that how you see it? Yeah, no, I, I think that's a, a really great uh, example. And, and there's, there's a lot of great stories of, of folks like yourself uh, being enabled by this, this new set of, of tooling. You can look at, you know, what happened with, uh, with the spreadsheet a few decades ago, uh, you know, uh, in the time before Microsoft Excel. The bookkeeping profession used to be a lot more prevalent, but af- after we made the transition from from physical spreadsheets to software-based spreadsheets, uh, we saw a dramatic increase in the number of accountants. Um, and you can think of accounting as a, you know, it's a more higher higher level form of of uh, that group of work than bookkeeping. And I think something similar will happen with the legal profession, with, with other professions, when it comes to generative AI, you're, you're able to dedicate a lot more time, whether it's personal time to, to activities you enjoy or activities that are more higher value add, more strategic uh, in nature. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully that that's uh, inspiring for folks and, and, you know, you, you get to spend a lot more time on, on things that you actually like doing uh, versus, versus just trying to make do with, with inadequate tools. So, well, Mike and Tangi uh, from Paxton, can you know? Thank you very much for uh, taking the time to talk with us and and tell us more about your work there at Paxton AI. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you, Greg. Thank you, Marlene. And of course, thanks to all of you, our listeners, for taking the time to listen to the Geek and Review podcast. If you enjoy the show, share it with a colleague. We'd love to hear from you, so reach out to us on social media. I can be found on LinkedIn and at Gabe Bauer M on X. And also look for the Geek and Review on Threads. Yeah. yeah. So, and I can be reached at uh, LinkedIn or Glambert on X or Glambert Pod on Threads or every, every place else. Plus, uh, we are launching our uh, Geek and Review channel on YouTube. So, yes, uh, very exciting. For that one as well. So, uh, uh, Tangi and, and Mike, if uh, someone wants to learn more about uh, Paxton, uh, or reach out to you, where, where can you guys be found online? Yeah, if, if folks want to learn more, just check out paxton.ai. Uh, and right now, as we, we mentioned before, we have free access to, to Paxton, so people can really uh, experience it for themselves. Uh, just sign up with, with an email at, at paxton.ai. And if you want to reach uh, Tongi and I, uh, you can just send us an email at hello at paxton.ai. And uh, as we said, we're, we're really hungry for, for feedback on, on Paxton, or if you guys want to chat, chat about AI or anything else, we're, we're always happy to. And listeners, you can also leave us a voicemail on our Geek and Review hotline at 713-487-7821. And as always, the music you hear is from Jerry David DeSicca. Thank you, Jerry. Thanks, Jerry. All right, Marlene, uh, we'll talk to you later.